Web. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, everyone. Appreciate you listening in today, and I believe we have some new listeners on board today uh, that have not heard the show before, and uh, particularly some here in the Texas area, and uh, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it. This is a show about the Constitution, specifically our Constitution, and it sort of core is coordinated with my blog, which is uh, about the Constitution, and I have a little booklet called Our Constitution, which I wrote, where I take each article, each section, each amendment to the Constitution, and I put them down the way they were originally written, and then I put in my comments about what they really mean. And that booklet is available at uh, my blog, through my blog, at uh, Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y, dot J-I-G-S-Y dot com. And uh, it's also available through www.constitution.jigsy.com. And the $6 donation is get you a copy of the booklet. It's pocket-sized. You can carry it around, and you can pull it out when some of your liberal friends say something stupid about the Constitution, like, oh, well, separation of church and states in the Constitution, and that outlaws school prayer. Well, I had a couple of PhDs tell me right after they that I wrote the booklet that they read it and were aghast by the fact that it was true that I, when I pointed out that that phrase is not in the Constitution. It's not in the First Amendment. It's nowhere in the Constitution. And the freedom of religion is specifically protected by the Establishment Clause of the Constitution, which says we have freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. So the entire premise of the separation of church and state was never intended to be in the Constitution. It was The Constitution was designed, the First Amendment was designed to keep the federal government from establishing a specific religion in this country. It did not say the federal government could not talk about God. It did not say that the government could not be founded on the premise that there is a God. Uh, we know, those who have studied history, know that this is a Judeo-Christian nation. It was founded that way. In God we trust is on our currency. The Ten Commandments are prominently displayed in the United States Supreme Court, but can't be displayed in our schools. They can't be displayed in courthouses like in Alabama. It makes you wonder what's going on here. But if you get a copy of the booklet, our Constitution, and by the way, you can large, order large quantities of the booklet at significant discounts. And if you are interested in ordering copies for schools, like it was in South Texas not long ago, a Rotary Club ordered 500 copies of the Constitution, and they were specifically to be delivered to incoming juniors in uh, six school districts in South Texas. So we will give you real substantial discounts there, basically give you the booklets at cost if you're going to be distributing them to students around the country. But that's what this program is all about. It's about our Constitution. And one of the things that I'm going to talk about first today, and uh, probably going to get to Hillary Clinton, too, before the broadcast is through, but I had a a meeting last night I went to in Athens, Texas, which is not far from where I live in East Texas, and it was a Friends of the NRA meeting, and I have been involved with the NRA for many, many years. I was one of their referral attorneys when I had my uh, 
active practice of law in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I handle cases that they referred to me on the Second Amendment. And I have been a member for a long, long time and been kind of discouraged by the NRA's lack of response to the veteran situation. And that was one of the things that I wanted to find out last night was any of the veterans that were there uh, at that NRA function, because it was function for the NRA to raise money for the NRA, if any of them had run into the types of problems we've been dealing with. And for those of you that are listening in for the first time or may not recall what we've been talking about on this show, the situation with our military veterans is very grave. Veterans have been receiving, and we broke this story on my blog about three years ago. And, again, you can access my blog at michaelconnelly.jigsy.com. And I post articles several times a month at least, and I'm going to be posting more. But I broke this story about two and a half years ago that veterans around the country were receiving letters from the VA that that told them because of their physical or mental disabilities they were going to be declared incompetent to handle their own financial affairs. The and a fiduciary would be appointed to represent them. Well, the fiduciary program has been around for years, and it was designed to help elderly veterans who might be suffering from dementia and might be having trouble paying their own bills on time and this sort of thing. And usually a family member was appointed to handle their benefits and to make sure their bills got paid. Now the program has been broadened, and this started back during the Bush administration when Congress passed an ill-advised amendment to the National Institute Criminal Background Check list, which is the one, one run by the FBI that decides whether or not people are eligible to own firearms or purchase firearms in this country. And in response to Virginia Tech's shooting, which had nothing to do with any veterans, but in response to that, they amended the law to say that the they needed to put people on the list, more people who were declared to adjudicated to be mentally ill to the point of being a danger to themselves or others, and this included veterans. Well, the Obama administration took this and started running with it right after he was elected. They decided that there are 23 million veterans in this country, that all of us took the oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. All of us believe in that oath, and all of us are trained to fight for our own country. Any dictatorship around the world has been set up, has been set up. One of the first things a dictator did was to disarm the general population, to keep them from rising up against what he was, he or she was doing. That was done in Nazi Germany. It's being done here in the United States. Hitler decided to disarm the German people right after he was elected chancellor, and he started with the veterans. Because the World War I veterans in Germany had taken an oath of office to their country, similar to what I took to this country and what our veterans took. So he started with the veterans. Obama has done the same thing. So in 2009, they started sending out these letters. But all of a sudden, the criteria is totally changed. You can be declared incompetent to handle your own financial affairs because you might have minor PTSD. And many soldiers who've been in combat do. But it's not a mental illness. It's treatable. 
They're declaring people incompetent for that. They're declaring people incompetent because they've lost a limb in combat. They're declaring people incompetent because they might have been depressed at some time over the loss of a buddy in combat. They are declaring people incompetent for letting their spouses pay the family bills. And they are declaring veterans incompetent, and I've got this in writing. There's a veteran right here in East Texas that I'm representing, that we're working with, that has a copy of a letter sent to him saying he has been declared incompetent to handle his own financial affairs because he has his bills paid automatically out of his checking account by the bank every month. Now, what happens once you've been declared incompetent? Well, a fiduciary, usually an outsider, a lot of times we suspect uh, former VA employees, in some cases we found out current VA employees, are being appointed to be the fiduciary for these people, for these veterans. And they get 5% of the veterans' benefits every month for basically writing a couple of checks. So it's a big ripoff of, of American veterans who have earned this money by their sacrifice and yet are being ripped off by their own government. But then the letter goes on to say, once you've been declared incompetent, you can no longer own, possess, transport, or purchase firearms or ammunition. If you do, you're guilty of a felony under the Brady Bill. You are also automatically put on the NICS list, which is a National Instant Criminal Background Checklist run by the FBI. And how do we know this? Well, we know for a fact that there are about there were 159,000 veterans on that list when we broke this story two years ago. <clears throat> now there's about 200,000. We also filed a suit against the VA because we sent the Freedom of Information Act request several years ago wanting to know about this program and by what standards were they using to declare these veterans incompetent first and second to have them put on the NICS list. They refused to respond. We will file a suit. A judge ordered them to respond, and they said, well, you can look at our website. Well, there was nothing on the website that, that told us what we needed to know. So we went to a hearing from the judge, and the judge agreed with us and ordered that they turn over documents. One of the documents we got is an agreement, a memorandum of agreement between the FBI and the VA, where they basically say that the, the FBI will put anybody, the name of any veteran sent to them by the VA, on the next list, under the category of being mentally defective to a point of being a danger to themselves or others, without any hearing, without any adjudication, strictly because the VA says they should be on the list. And the VA will say they should be on the list because they've been declared incompetent, they have their own financial affairs, which has the fact that somebody forgets to pay their bills on time, uh, all the time, does not make them mentally ill, does not make them a danger to themselves or others, and does not prohibit them from owning a firearm until now. Now that's the way they're playing the game. I've got copies of letters. We're representing veterans all over the country. And by the way, if you're a veteran, we're representing you for free. Now, we're not going to court on your behalf at this point. If we don't have the resources to do that, we're trying to raise the money to file a class action type lawsuit. And uh, that's going to cost probably between a quarter and a half million dollars. And we've raised some money and we're continuing to try to do so. But we will represent you individually by helping you prepare an appeal. Now, understand there's no due process here. The burden of proof is initially on you as a veteran to prove that you're competent. 
It's not on the government, which is what the Due Process Clause of the Constitution requires. It's not on the government to prove you're incompetent. It's on you to prove that you are competent. Well, we'll help you prepare the documents that you need, and if you need to file an appeal, we will help you prepare that. And we're working, like I said, we're actually working with some people in the United States Senate to try to overturn this with uh, legislation. But so far, that, that effort has failed on two occasions. But we will work with you on this. So if you're a veteran and you've been received one of these letters or you've been found out, some some letters, some veterans are not even receiving the letter. They don't know that they're on the list until they go to try to purchase a firearm and then they're told that they have been put on the list for being mentally incompetent. Contact me at Michael at USJF, that's the United States Justice Foundation, Michael at USJFmail.net. Michael at USJFmail.net. And let me know what your situation is, and you will be contacted. And you'll hear back from me. You'll also hear from my assistant, who correlates all this and prepares all the documents. Let's take our first break now, and then we'll talk more about this. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy. Only on America's Web Radio. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Again, I want to welcome uh, new listeners to the show today. And, uh, by the way, if uh, you want to refer this to your friends, but they cannot hear the show live, which, of course, we're live at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. But if they can't listen to the show live, they can go to America's Web Radio. And that, that's the place where my show is headquartered. And the producer's there. And the producer there is, is a very good friend. And he archives these shows on Thursday of every week. So if you can't listen to the show or if you have friends you want to have listen to a show that you particularly like, uh, you can send them that information. You can look it up on the Internet, America's Web Radio, and you can find out about the show. 
But we're talking right now about veterans, and specifically, last night, as I said, I was at a Friends of the NRA event in Athens, Texas, and I talked to some veterans. And some of them had heard about this, some of them had not. But the horror stories I was getting were the same as the horror stories I keep hearing whenever I talk to veterans. It's not just about what the VA is doing to them from the Second Amendment standpoint. It's what they're doing to them in, in general. Remember all the horror stories that we heard about the veterans dying because they couldn't get get treated, because they couldn't get appointments to see doctors? At least 40 veterans we know died as a result of this at the Phoenix facility. And by the way, the head of the Phoenix facility was put on paid administrative leave, was not fired, despite the fact that there were hundreds of veterans that had been, their files had been deliberately lost or misplaced, so they wouldn't be given appointments, and so they hopefully wouldn't be, it wouldn't ever be complained about. And at least 40 died. We, we estimate that actually several hundred died. That person was put on administrative leave and then re- allowed to retire, with full pay and benefits, just like Lois Lerner with the IRS was put on paid administrative leave and then allowed to retire with full benefits. But Obama, you know, finally made a big deal out of it and said he was going to appoint somebody new who was going to take care of this and he was going to fix the VA and the person he appointed came in, and I can't think of his name right now, but he was head of Procter & Gamble. He came in and he said, we're going to clean house he talked about firing hundreds, maybe thousands of employees. That was over a year ago. At this point, I know of no employees that have been fired. I know that a bunch have been transferred from one VA location to another, where they're doing the same things now they were doing at the original location where they were located. I think one veteran or one VA employee may have been terminated. Some have been put on administrative leave. Some have been allowed to retire. None of them have been punished in any way, shape, or form. Has this improved a lot of the veterans? Not according to the ones I've been talking to. I talked to veterans last night. They told me they were still waiting four to six months to get an appointment to see a doctor at VA clinics right here in Texas. Veterans also have been telling me that they continue to be asked every time they go to the VA, whether it's for a medical appointment or just to talk about their benefits. They're being asked, do you own a firearm? If they say no, then they're being asked, do you have access to a firearm? You see, here's the, the, the clincher here. Here's what's happening to the veterans around the country. We've confirmed this. They're being declared incompetent. They're being told they have to turn in their firearms. They're being told they can't own firearms. Then their families, in some cases, are getting phone calls from the VA telling them that since you live with a veteran who's been declared incompetent, you cannot own a firearm or possess a firearm or purchase a firearm. So they're putting family members apparently on the next list. Now, again, what's the criteria for being on the next list? Number one, you have to be a convicted felon. None of the veterans that we're representing have any kind of felony convictions at all. 
We don't even know if any of them have any misdemeanor convictions. Maybe a traffic ticket here and there, but that's it. So they don't fall under that category. The other category is being a known illegal drug user. None of the veterans we represent fall in that category. So the only category left for them to use is mentally ill, mentally defective, to be a point of being a danger to themselves or others. And if you purchase a firearm recently, whether you're a veteran or not, you had to fill out that form. And that little form has a, a box on it that where you check, have you ever been found to be mentally defective? A lot of veterans are checking no because they have not been, yet they're being denied the right to purchase firearms because they've been put in that category by uh, the FBI because their names have been sent from the VA, and the VA will say, well, this, you know, look at these medical records. This person said back 10 years ago that they were depressed. Didn't necessarily mean they were treated for depression or took medication for depression, just that they had temporary depression. That will get you on the next list. Veterans are being mistreated by the very government that they defended. They wrote a blank check to the United States government and to the people of the United States that basically that blank check said that I will do whatever is necessary to defend my country and defend my fellow Americans up to including including sacrificing my life. What they got in return was, for the most part, low pay, very poor benefits. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm been furious about this, and I've been talking about this before, but here we have these McDonald's workers, these fast food people, coming out and saying, we demand $15 an hour for flipping burgers, for making hamburgers, for running a cash register. We're entitled to a living wage, $15 an hour. And the liberals are going along with this. They're doing it in places like Seattle. And, of course, the fast food joints are closing down or moving out or getting rid of some of their employees. But why do I have such a problem with it? Because the hourly pay of a member of the military that has just joined and is going through basic training or is in the rank of private or private first class, is about $8.37 an hour. They don't get up to $15 an hour for quite a while. And they're putting their lives on the line. They're sacrificing their family life. They spend Christmases. They spend holidays, other holidays, on active duty. Yet nobody is clamoring for them to get a minimum of $15 an hour. But be that as it may, we have the situation with the veterans. And we've been fighting it at the United States Justice Foundation. And you can find out more about who we are and what we do at usjf.net. And by the way, you can also find out how to donate to us because we raise our money independently. Uh, we don't have any big corporations or, or uh, like Progressive Insurance. The head of the Progressive Insurance gives a million dollars a year to the ACLU to help destroy our freedoms. And uh, we don't get contributions like that. I wish we did, as we use most of our money. We don't have a large staff. 
We use most of our money to pay for the legislation and litigation we're involved in, and we file briefs in the United States Supreme Court and courts of appeals around the country on issues involving the Constitution. Not just veterans' issues, not just Second Amendment issues, First Amendment issues, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. We deal with Fourth Amendment issues, the right to uh, be free from illegal searches and seizures. And we're successful on, on some of our cases. Right now we're working on the amnesty case uh, here in Texas where we have joined in the litigation that was filed by the Attorney General in Texas and others to set aside Obama's blanket amnesty uh, to illegals and to say that that was unconstitutional. Well, they won in the Texas District Court, and we joined with them in filing briefs in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, and were successful there, and we will be filing a brief in support of this ruling once it goes to the United States Supreme Court, which is where it's going to be heading eventually. So that's some of the things we do, and you can, again, go to usjf.net to find out how to support us, what we're doing, and how to contribute to us. But the veterans' situation is getting worse by the day. And I reported several months ago, I wrote on my blog, again, you can access that, Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y.jigsy.com, Michael Connolly. I wrote on my blog that we at the United States Justice Foundation had been filing legal memorandums opposing some rule changes by federal agencies. And these rule changes included changing the definition of what constituted mental illness or what constituted being adjudicated to be mentally ill to the point of being a danger to yourself or others, and also a rule change by the HHS, Health and Human Services, that was mandated by an executive order by uh, Obama, which on its face was unconstitutional and illegal. He was mandating that the HIPAA law, which protects the privacy of your, your medical records and my medical records, says that they cannot be released to anybody, including the government, without our permission. Obama said that law will no longer apply, and HHS has put out rules and regulations that said, what we're going to do is that law will no longer apply if you have ever been told a doctor you were depressed any time in your lifetime, if you've ever been treated for PTSD, if you've ever taken certain drugs for ADD or ADHD, all kinds of criteria. We're going to turn over your medical records to the FBI. Well, they said we they didn't say specifically that, but I, I saw that that was coming. And they said we're going to be able to turn over your records to appropriate federal agencies, I think was the way they were. Well, I wrote an article that said the next step, they're going to be taking the next step. They're doing so well with veterans because there's really been no big effort to stop them. NRA had made the effort, unfortunately, that, that disappoints me. American Legion VFW, basically ignoring it and hoping it will go away, even though I'm representing the U.S. Justice Foundation, a lot of uh, American Legion members and a lot of the VFW members. I am a lifetime member of the American Legion and was a post commander for two years. But they're basically ignoring it. So we're representing a lot of these veterans around the country. And we're putting up a fight. Yet 
now I said the Social Security recipients are going to be the next target. They're going to start being told that they are not competent to handle their own financial affairs, i.e. their own Social Security payments, and somebody needs to be appointed to represent them, and then they are going to be told that they cannot purchase firearms or own firearms. Guess what? It's happened. And right after the break, I'll tell you who broke this story. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. As I told you that I was going to tell you who broke this story about the expanding of the assault on the Second Amendment from veterans to include Social Security recipients. And by the way, anybody else who receives anything from the federal government, uh, you might be receiving Medicaid or you might be receiving SSI. Uh, You might just be an employee of a government or a company that has a federal contract. You could be vulnerable to this. The story was broken not by a conservative group, but by the Los Angeles Times, a very liberal newspaper, that about a month ago did an article talking about how the federal government was going to be using the program, same program that they admitted the VA had been using for years on veterans, to try to declare Social Security recipients mentally ill to the point of being a danger to themselves or others. And the criteria was going to be the same. Declare them incompetent, they handle their own financial affairs, and then declare them mentally ill and put them on the next list. So if you're a senior, like I am, and you're on Social Security, 
And boy, that, you know, I'm really surprised they haven't come after me yet because I'm both a veteran and a senior. But uh, if you're a senior and you have received a letter from the Social Security Administration or any indication from them that you're going to be declared incompetent to handle your own financial affairs, contact me immediately. Michael at USJFmail.net. It's Michael at USJFmail.net. We've recently confirmed that as part of the Obamacare, Medicare participants, particularly when they're they're new and they're just starting to they're seeing a doctor for the first time who takes Medicare, they are being asked a series of questions that are mandated by the federal government. And guess what one of those questions is? Do you own a firearm? And you're being told you have to answer the question. Just like the veterans are being told they have to answer the question. Why do they want to know, do you own a firearm? When Obamacare was passed, there was one good conservative amendment that was put in there that was sneaked through. And it said that doctors could not ask their patients if they own a firearm. That they were prohibited from doing so. Obama, by executive order, threw that out. I mean, let's face it. The President of the United States is allowed to enforce the laws passed by Congress. He is allowed to enter in treaties that are confirmed by Congress, ratified by the Senate. And we'll get to that in a minute. But the president is not authorized in the Constitution anywhere to make laws on his own or to amend laws on his own. If that's what he's done with Obamacare, something like 47 times now, has amended the law. Well, he amended the law to say that doctors, in fact, not only could ask their patients about firearm ownership, but should ask their patients about firearm ownership. And he got the American Pediatric Society, the pediatricians, to agree that they would ask children whether or not their parents own firearms. You talk about an invasion of privacy, but that's the way they're playing the game. And that's what HHS is doing now with your medical records, is they're going to be turning your records over to the FBI, and you will be put on the next list. You may not be notified in advance it's going to happen. That's happened with a lot of veterans. Like I said, they go in and they check that little box saying that you've never been declared, they've never been declared mentally incompetent. And they think it's true. But here's a catch-22 for them. And this has happened in at least two cases that we know of. They find out they can't own a firearm. They find out they've been declared mentally incompetent. They don't know why. They start raising hell. They want to know why they've been declared mentally incompetent. They may not get that information, but what they do get is prosecuted by the federal government for lying on, on the form, the application. Because they're being told, well, you've been declared mentally incompetent by the federal government, and even though you didn't know it, that doesn't matter because we're still going to say you lied when you checked the box that you've never been declared mentally incompetent. Test 22? Absolutely. And one of the things the federal government is using to try to disarm American citizens. 
So we've got a major constitutional crisis going on here. We have the efforts to disarm the American public. We need the help of everybody out there to fight this. We can't do it by ourselves. If if you're a member of the American Legion, if you're a member of the VFW, contact your organizations and tell them to contact me. If you're an NRA member, contact the NRA, tell them to contact me. See, we got the documentation. We've been working on this for two and a half years. I've talked to whistleblowers inside the VA. I've got information that nobody else has got. And we're fighting a good fight. But it's a fight we've got to win. Because otherwise, everybody in this country is going to lose their freedom. Specifically starting with the Second Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms. Which, by the way, our children under the Common Core are being taught only applies to militia and National Guard. That it's not an individual right. I've seen the paperwork given out to children which they, they explain to the children that it is not an individual right, despite the fact that the Supreme Court has twice ruled that it is an individual right. So they're coming at us from every direction. Am I being paranoid? Well, you're not being paranoid if they really are out to get you. And let's face it, folks, they are out to get us. But recently I put on my blog, my latest article, talks about another constitutional crisis. And this is one that can potentially be devastating to this country in more ways than one, because it involves our national security and our military. And by the way, Obama continues to destroy our military. I mean, I read it. There was an article on MSM the other day, the website, where they were talking about how the unemployment figures for under the Obama administration, we're, we're looking kind of bad uh, for this next few months. And uh, they said, you know, that the number of people were going to be laid off, the number of people would be laid off. But they said the good news was that 40,000 of the people being laid off were just members of the military. I won't repeat what I said out loud when I read that. The good news is that 40,000 members of our United States military, people who have signed that blank check, who have been willing to sacrifice their lives, are now going to be out of work. That's good news. According to the national news media, that's good news. That's horrible news. And not just for the individuals who are going to be unemployed to be put into a workforce where they're going to have a tough time finding jobs. But that means that we're going to have 40,000 less troops to defend us against ISIS, against the Russians, against the North Koreans, against all those people out there who want to see us destroyed. So we've got the military being decimated. Our Navy now is smaller than it was prior to World War II. Our Air Force is about half the size it was prior to World War II. Our Marine Corps has been cut to the point where it's only got several combat-ready brigades. The U.S. Army has been cut to the point where the outgoing head of the U.S. Army has said that we're not going to be capable of, of defending this country much longer. 
So we have a national security crisis. And now we have a constitutional crisis that is going to make that worse. And I'm talking about the so-called treaty with Iran, or agreement with Iran. They don't call it a treaty. They call it an agreement. And this is not an agreement. It fits the classic definition of a treaty, which is an agreement between two or more countries, and is a long-term agreement. This was supposed to last 10, 15 years. And only after that is the Iranian government supposed to have a nuclear weapon. Well, Obama pledged to see that under his watch they would never obtain a nuclear weapon. That he would use all all means available to him to keep them from getting a nuclear weapon. But then we found out since 2013, or 2011 I should say, he's been secretly negotiating with Iran to allow them to get a nuclear weapon. But all these negotiations that, that took place recently were basically a farce. He had already agreed to allow the Iranians to have a nuclear weapon. Now we have this agreement with Iran, which not only opens the path for them to get a nuclear weapon, because they can continue to enrich uranium, uh, they can do stuff in secret, because we're not, gonna, we're not forcing them to tell us where their secret bases are or allow inspections of them. There's you know, all kinds of flaws in that part of the treaty. But we're also giving them back over a billion dollars that they could use to support terrorists like Hamas and Hezbollah and support terrorists around the world. If they develop a nuclear weapon, they certainly are going to be perfectly willing to give that to the terrorist organizations. Let's face it. This is a country that, as we were signing or finalizing this agreement with them, came out and called for the death of America, death of the United States, death to all Jews around the country, the death of Israel. And we're just, you know, going, hey, we're, we're, we think you're good guys. Okay, we don't believe that you want to destroy us, even though you've proved it over and over again. We're going to go ahead and sign this treaty with you, or sign this agreement with you, and let you do whatever you want. Why am I saying it's a treaty and not an agreement? Because if it's a treaty, it has to be approved by two-thirds of the Senate. That's what the United States Constitution requires, that any treaty be approved by two-thirds vote of the United States Senate. That will never happen with this treaty. So what's, what has happened is that the Republican leadership in Congress has agreed with the President of the United States to very quietly amend the Constitution of the United States to allow the President to get this treaty through without a vote of the two-thirds majority, without even a vote of the majority of the members of Congress, just a simple majority. Now, how have they done that? Well, there's something out there called Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution. And after our final break, we'll talk more about that. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. 
Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution provides that the President of the United States can veto legislation passed by Congress. And if it is vetoed, then the Congress must override that veto with a two-thirds majority of each House of Congress. Now, the operative words there are legislation passed by Congress. That's what the Constitution says. Under the agreement between Obama and the Republican leadership of Congress, this treaty is going to be not presented to the Senate for ratification by two-thirds majority, but presented to the Congress for an up-or-down vote. If Congress passes the agreement, then it becomes formal agreement between us and Iran. If Congress defeats the agreement, then the president is given the unprecedented power, not granted anywhere in the Constitution, not even conceived in the Constitution, not in any legal precedent that I can find, where he will be able to override a veto or be able to veto a negative vote. In other words, instead of being allowed to veto a bill passed by Congress, <coughs> excuse me, he will be able to veto a negative vote by Congress, the failure to pass a bill. That turns the Constitution on its head. That means that the president from now on conceivably can submit a proposed bill to Congress. Congress can vote it down. The president can then go ahead and implement the bill, the law anyway, unless Congress, by two-thirds majority of both houses, overrides the veto of a negative vote. Now, as far as I know, we elected these Republicans to stop this sort of thing, not to go along with it. I mean, this is amending the Constitution without going through the procedure that's required by the Constitution itself. They are not going to pass by a two-thirds majority of both houses a constitutional amendment, which would then have to be ratified by three-fourths of the state legislatures around the country. They're not going to do that. They're just going to reach an agreement between the House leadership 
John Boehner, Mitch McConnell, and Obama that says, we're going to turn the Constitution upside down so that you can get your treaty with Iran through. A treaty which is going to be totally destructive to the people of the United States, to the people around the world. And don't believe this nonsense that Obama's putting out that every other country in the world supports this. I've heard from members of Congress who have met with the Saudis, who have met with people from Jordan, other countries in the Middle East, who publicly are having to come out and pay lip service to this, but privately are absolutely opposed to it. In fact, in the case of the Saudis, they're already preparing to get nuclear weapons of their own to counter Iran. Because let's face it, every country in the Middle East the people who know the Iranians the best, every country there is scared to death of these people. It's only the idiots like Obama who not only is not scared of the Iranians, he supports the Iranians. And you can draw your own conclusions as to why that might be the case. But earlier in the show, I, I welcomed some new listeners who were coming in from another network and understand that there were some technical problems and that you missed the beginning of the show. Uh, so uh, I will welcome you now and hope that you will continue to listen to me. Uh, we broadcast live on America's Web Radio and on other networks around the country uh, at uh, 4 o'clock Eastern on Wednesdays. If you miss part of the show today, you can go tomorrow and listen to it at America's Web Radio. Just go to the website and you can, all the shows are archived there. You can listen to this one and you can get the information. The important information, particularly that I was giving out at the beginning of the show about veterans and the way they're being attacked and losing their Second Amendment rights. Uh, you can go read more about this in my blog, which is Michael Connolly, C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y dot com. And you can go to uh, there to find out how to purchase my booklet on the Constitution or how to purchase some of my books that I've written, including a bestseller about my dad's unit during World War One and then World War Two called The Mortimer. And but read the blog articles because you can read there about all the constitutional issues that I'm working on, that we're working on at the United States Justice Foundation. And you can go to USJF.net to find out more about the organization and about the work that we're doing. Uh, because we're doing good work. We're fighting a good fight around the country. We are working on freedom of religion cases, freedom of speech cases, Fourth Amendment cases. Uh, we're fighting the uh, illegal amnesty granted by Obama. You know, we're doing a number of different things. You can read about those on my blog, and you can donate to help us uh, because uh, we don't charge anybody any anything for representing them and we'll go to court to defend constitutional rights. We raise our money independently. And if you're a veteran or if you are a Social Security recipient and you've received a letter from the VA or any indication from the VA that they're or from the Social Security Administration that they're going to declare you incompetent to handle your own financial affairs, contact me at michael at usjfmail.net. Michael at usjf, that's the United States Justice Foundation, usjfmail.net and let me know what's going on 
we will work with you. We will do this at no charge to you. And we are trying to raise the money. We're raising the money to help individual cases, but we want to try to raise the money to, to do a major fight on behalf of veterans around the country with a class action suit or something along those lines. So, again, check out, if you didn't hear the first part of the show, check it out in the next day or two. And I hope you'll come back next week and listen to me because I'm going to continue talking about the veterans' issues and the other issues. But right now, contact your members of Congress and demand that they follow the Constitution and that they do not allow this Iranian treaty to be passed by a majority vote of both houses or especially to be defeated by a majority vote in both one or both houses and, and allowing Obama to veto that vote and put it into law unconstitutionally. Now, a lot of people have asked me, well, why isn't the United States Justice Foundation filing suit to stop this? Well, here's the problem with anybody filing suit to stop this. You have to have what is called standing. Standing requires, and I, I disagree with this entirely, but the Supreme Court and federal other federal courts have usually required standing to mean that you are directly infected, uh, directly affected by something in order to file suit against it to stop a law. And in this case, I can guarantee you they would rule if we just took any plaintiff off the street or we took... If I did it on my own, because if I thought we could stop it, I would file suit in my own name. But they just going to rule we don't have standing. But I'll tell you who does have standing. A member of the United States Senate has standing. A member of the House of Representatives possibly has standing. But no question in my mind about a member of the United States Senate. Because they're the ones that are charged under the Constitution to vote to ratify any treaty. And one of these senators can come forward and file a suit, and we will assist in every way possible. One of them can come forward and file a suit and say, look, I am mandated by the Constitution of the United States to represent the people of my state. And as such, I am mandated to vote on treaties. They should have to be brought to the Senate, and two-thirds of the senators have to vote to ratify the treaty before it can go into effect. By this action, by the Obama administration, and by the Republican leadership in Congress, I am being denied my constitutional right and my obligation to represent the people in my state. And the people in my state who I represent are being denied their constitutional right to have me vote for or against the treaty. Contact your members of the Senate. Go to my website, Michael Connolly, C O N N E L L Y dot Jigsy, J I G S Y dot com, and pull out, pull off a copy of that article. It's called Another Constitutional Crisis. It's the top article right now. Send a copy of it to your senator. Send a copy of it to your representative in Congress. Send copies to your friends and have them do the same thing. 
we need to start putting some pressure on Congress in this situation to do what they are legally obligated to do. Remember, they took an oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. They are not doing this if they willingly and knowingly are violating the Constitution, and they willingly and knowingly violating their oath of office, which, by the way, is a federal criminal offense. So contact your members of Congress. Take a look at the article. You can also find it on usjf.net, which is our website. Go there and take a look at what we're doing. And I look forward to listening in again next week and getting your friends to listen in. And again, America's Web Radio archives these shows so you can go and listen to them uh, at any time. And thank you for having me on, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Watchdog.